Citizens Report for the 22nd of November 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome Thanks. to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, Australia's banks are bankrupt if they have to obey the law. And financial predators and green myths destroying Aussie farmers. So first off the rank today, Australia's banks are bankrupt if they have to obey the law. Now, we are finding out more and more every day that Australia's banks are not banks, they are actually vast criminal enterprises. And For we sure. had another um, view into this yesterday when Austrac, Australia's anti-money laundering agency, filed charges against Westpac for tw over 23 million breaches of the Anti-Money Laundering and Counter-Terrorism Financing Act. Now, of course, this dwarfs... Can I say that a, just a breach, one breach in the law, incurs a maximum fine of over $10 million. That's how serious a breach, a single breach is. Mm. 23 million of them going back at least five years. Extraordinary, and it dwarfs uh, the previous breaches by the Commonwealth Bank, which amounted to 53,000 breaches. Um, now, Austrac has said that this is the result of systemic failures in its control environment, indifference by senior management and inadequate oversight by the board. Now, they took offence at that indifference by senior management, but there's no other interpretation of it. So it's, it's really putting the onus on them. This wasn't just... Um, this just didn't happen by the by. Well, sorry, there, there is another interpretation. If it's not indifference, it's complicity. Take your pick. There's, <laughs> yeah, they, which they, is worse. They're accountable one way or the other. Um, now, if the punishment of Westpac for these breaches is consistent with CBA's punishment, which was a $700 million fine, Westpac would be charged with a $300 billion fine. Or if they were to be charged the maximum per breach. fine per breach, it could reach between three to four hundred trillion dollars. Now, even in the in the lower of those two options, three hundred billion, Westpac's market capitalisation is ninety-two billion dollars. Yep. So the consequences of this, as we've said in the headline, are extremely serious. But the question is. Will the government uphold the law? Are they serious about actually tackling money laundering, laundering in this country? Well, the problem is they can't. We would, and we'll explain in a minute how we would do it, but they can't uphold the law, and, and, and CBA is going to be enraged, right? Because if you did the, the pro rata comparison, yeah, Westpac should be fined $300 billion and wound up, right? That's equality under the law. Mm -hmm. And you will see in this example how they get away with it because, oh, they're too big to fail, and too big to jail. That's what we're about to see in Australia. Now, one of the other consequences of this that we need to raise, especially in the context of our fight against the cash ban, is the auditors' complicity in this also, because yep. should not the auditors have noticed the irregularities that Austrac was able to pick up? Well, they definitely should have, because what auditors are supposed to do is, you know, um, make sure that the, the, the bookkeeping is following the right procedures, right? And so... They don't have to check every transaction, but they, but they go through the, the, the different types of transactions and they know there's these procedures required by law. And so the auditor's job is to say, 
oh well, here's all these transactions, whether over $10,000 or of a certain type. Okay, there's a legal requirement here. Was that, was that process followed? You know, and take a few samples or whatever to see if that's, if that's the case. Over five years, they didn't detect any of this. Yeah. Rubbish. The auditors, we've highlighted with these, this with the other banks that have been involved in money laundering, Elisa, West, um, CBA, like you said, the big, the big British banks, um, HSBC and Standard Chartered. The auditors were complicit in their money laundering scandals. They, looked, they helped them look the other way. They're not incompetent. We've got to get past this idea that the default setting is in, oh, they're indifferent or they're incompetent. No, they're, they're not incompetent. These are criminal enterprises. It's not just the, 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 the narrow management of one bank. It's the system, right? Treasury's in on it. APRA's in on it. The big four auditing firms globally are in on it. Right, and I'll say a bit more about that in a minute. Yeah, because basically our economy and our banking system can't exist, as we'll go through a bit more later, without this criminal money, these criminal yeah. proceeds. But we've got a couple of other suggestions uh, if they want to avoid uh, Westpac being shut down and going into bankruptcy. One is instead of fines, they could go with jail charges, jail sentences. Well, that's the, that, this is the the bigger issue, I think. So for a long time, everyone has known that. Bankers haven't been jailed for their crimes. This is a global phenomenon, right? And we've been one of the groups saying we've got to go back to jailing bankers because only if you jail bankers do they learn from, you know, not to do it again. And there was an incident in Japan in 1999 mm. where we know the gentleman, Daisuke Kotagawa, who did jail the bankers there that were involved in those scandals and they didn't repeat them, right? But in the, you know, these, these banks have been too big to jail. So... Um, what they should be, if they don't want West, you know, Westpac could, could remain a going concern, though we'd still question its ultimate solvency, but it would remain a going concern. If the authorities went and charged the, there must be a lot of executives implicated in this, a lot. So say whether it's, you know, a hundred, the hundred executives implicated in this, charge them with criminal offences that see them go to jail for five or 10 or 15 years, whatever is required, right? And don't think that's harsh because... They do that to ordinary people yeah. all the time, right? So bankers are not, they've got to get away from this problem. And so you can clear out the management of Westpac and it can remain a going concern. Mm. The problem is they can't do that because they didn't do that with CBA. Okay. They should have done it with CBA. Yeah. They didn't do it with CBA and so they won't be able to do it with Westpac and therefore they're boxed in. They ha if, they're going to, if they're going to apply the law equally, they have to find them this monstrous fine over $300 billion, mm. which is going to wind them up. But there's a way they could do that as well. And this, of course, is something that we've always said should have happened following the 2008 global financial crisis. Absolutely. A hell of a lot of bankers should have gone to jail. But perhaps the tide is turning because in a Milan, Italy court trial that happened in the last week, uh, that trial handed down sentences of between two and seven years approximately for dozens of bankers from Monte de Pasqui di Siena and Deutsche Bank and Nomura Securities for rigging the books of MPS Bank yep. uh, in order for it to take over Anton Veneta Bank from Spain Santander in 2008. So they uh, were sold derivatives by Deutsche Bank and Nomura Securities to, to, to dodgy up the books basically yep. Yep. and they're now seeing uh, jail sentences. So that is the direction we have to go in. The other suggestion is nationalising these banks. Well, this is what you, this this I don't think there's any. If again, let me say it's pro, it's you know 99 it's not going to happen, right? And because they're not going to apply the law equally. That's the only reason it's not going to happen. But and CBA again should be the ones that are angry about this. But if they don't find them 300 billion dollars, they're not applying the law. So if they find them 300 billion dollars, that bank ceases to exist. And what you do 
is you can't lose the depositors' money. You can't look, there's lots of business services that are being provided, etc. The government has to step in and take this bank over, sack all the management. It's it's now a public bank. And the best way to have done to do this is have your own national bank to do it. Right? Because a national bank like we've been calling for, for for years and we've got legislation for is both has a commercial function that is that is sort of no frills, bare bone, and is there to, to provide a service that forces the private banks to compete with it because that's real competition mm. that breaks the oligopoly up. It has a direct credit, d- directing credit function, national credit function, so that the government itself can use the bank to invest in the long-term investments that the economy needs that a normal commercial interest wouldn't um, want to invest in. And it's run by banking experts that in a situation like this can just take over the bank, mm-hmm. right? So suddenly... Everyone knows that any bank branch with Westpac marked on it is now owned and backed by the Australian government, effectively the Australian people, right? And if you've got your deposits in there, they're 100%. In fact, they're safer the day after nationalisation than they were the day before, mm. right? Um, because it's, you're now banking with the government. That's what you do in a situation like this. But let me add, there's a caveat. You wouldn't take over the derivatives. You wouldn't take over the speculation. There would be massive write-downs of all the crap that Westpac's involved in. That would have massive implications for the rest of the financial system. But it has to because this is the tip of the iceberg. The, the overt criminality is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much financial recklessness involved in these banks, right? The government has no obligation to take that on. You're just there to, 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 do the, to take over the services that are provided for the, for the people and a, that, that exist for the common good of the economy. And that would have very big implications, but it's the direction the, 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 the government needs to head in this regard. Yep, and then what we need to do is implement the legislation, three pieces in particular that we've written to rejig the banking system, our national bank legislation to adequately regulate the system, Glass-Steagall legislation to prevent commercial deposit-taking banks from gambling, and the third, which I want you to talk about briefly because you're heading to Canberra on Monday, where this legislation will be tabled, is a bill to audit the banks in a way they've never been before. So this is very significant. I'll be up there on Monday when Bob Catter, the member for Kennedy, introduces, the second time he's introduced a Citizens Party bill. The first one was Glass-Steagall in 2018. He's introducing a bill called the Australian Banks Government Audit Bill 2019. And what the bill does, it directs the Auditor-General to take over the auditing of the big four banks from the big four global auditors. Get them out of the way. They're crooks. They're covering this stuff up. And it has to go through the books with a fine-tooth comb. And it doesn't just do a normal audit where, you know, make sure they're following the normal procedures, etc. No, much deeper than that, it identifies it's got to get into the derivatives, it's got to get into the, the assumptions underlying the property portfolios, it's got to get into the, what they call the internal ratings-based models, which is how the banks are allowed to set, assess their own risk, right? And say, oh, you know, we, we're, we, th- we, we trust, sorry, trust us, we're risk-free. Don't, um, uh, you know, we don't have to hold the capital that most other banks have to hold, etc. It gets into all that, right? And... What it will expose is the real problems at the core of our banking system. The banks will, dis- they're going to be chewing the rug in their boardrooms over this. The big four auditors will despise it. The, the banking mafia that runs this government, Scott Morrison, Josh Frydenberg, Jane Hume, all these people that are a bunch of ex-bankers mainly in there that are protecting the banks, they're all going to hate it, right? So it's unlikely to pass... In, in, uh, you know, if you take a superficial view of the Australian financial uh, political system, they go, oh, you know, no one's going to support this. But there's, a, there's an inquiry into these big four orders that's underway at the same time. Uh, I, I've, I've seen some of the hearings there. They're quite fiery. There's a, there is a shift taking place here, right? And what we're doing is if the political shift 
catches up with where we need to go, we have the legislation there ready to be enacted. That's, mm. that's one of the reasons for this bill. Now, we've got to take a quick break, but we're going to come back and discuss how our economy and our banks in particular rely upon these flows of dirty money, which is why they don't want to touch it. Yep. Welcome back to the Citizens Report, where we're discussing how Australia's banks are bankrupt if the government applies the law in terms of money laundering. Um, but they rely upon money laundering to exist, and so does our economy. Without all of this dirty money, and it's associated with whether it be child abuse, as we saw in some of the cases yeah, of that's, Westpac. That's, that's the shocking thing with Westpac. There's, there's terrorism, drug money, arms money. You know, we've documented a lot of this uh, through our literature. Um, that money flowing through to banks, casinos, and in particular into the Australian housing market cannot be disrupted. A government will not allow it to be disrupted yep. because they know the consequences. They might not like, you know, the, the drug money laundering and whatnot, but if they stop it, it'll crash no, the don't economy. Give them, don't give them that credit. I mean, <laughs> they, you know, you, you look the way, other way on this, then they, can, they can't claim that, oh, that they're good moral no. people who don't like this stuff. No, they can't. And we'll give a few examples of how they are constantly looking the other way. And they've never been interested in stopping the black economy, which is what they claim to be doing in implementing the cash ban, and it is therefore an absolute fraud. Um, you did an interview in July with a whistleblower, Helen Edwards, who had a case where she was targeted in particular, and she took it to all the relevant authorities. She even took it to Buckingham Palace. Yes. Um, no and the, one. And the Governor General. Yeah. yeah, the Governor General, all the highest authorities, no one was interested. We had Andrew Wilkie, a clip of him on our show from Parliament uh, on the 25th of October. You can go back and look at that show because he laid out cases where he's gone to the government, where whistleblowers have come to him. Whistleblowers from government departments have come to him, he's identified them from their, mm. their source, not who they were, to say these guys are willing to prove that Crown Casino is laundering money, right? And nobody bothered to approach him, no one officially, no one at all, even at Austrac, yeah. bothered to approach him to say, mm. tell us who these people are. Not interested at all. We've had... Uh, many, many overtures from China to help them crack down on money laundering and we've refused. You've got the extradition treaty that we won't sign. In early November, the AFP seized over $17 million worth of property purchased with dirty money, which the Chinese tipped us off to. But imagine what we could be doing if we were actually enacting real laws and actually collaborating. Amendments to our anti-money laundering laws to sweep up real estate, accountants and lawyers have been continually postponed and the latest version of any anti-money laundering bills do not include yeah, the real estate. So everyone knows that real estate is, the, outside of banking, real estate's the big one that's very easy to launder money in. And it all comes down to declaring transactions, right? And the, the Australian government is the worst in the world, you've got some examples of that, on refusing, it's promised for years that we're going to include in the laws uh, real estate agents, accountants and lawyers. They should at least have to declare suspicious transactions and they're not required to and they ref they've promised it but just the other week they, they released the latest law version of their anti-money laundering law and again they're not in it. Mm. And, and it just proves that they are lying. They're yeah. lying through their teeth when they say they can, they're concerned about money laundering. They're not. They're protecting it. Yeah, and we've been made an international example of how bad it is. The Paris-based Financial Action Task Force has said that Australian housing, the Australian housing market is a haven for laundered funds 
and they've put us on a, put us on a watch list for failure to comply with money laundering and terrorism financing reforms. Transparency International has ranked us as having the weakest anti-money laundering laws in the Anglosphere and an OECD working group on bribery and international business transactions has declared our property market is beyond the reach of regulators. Um, so that puts it in a nutshell. So the, while the banks are not being scrutinised whatsoever, on the other hand, to come back to our mobilisation and update you on what's happening on this bill to ban cash transactions over $10,000, citizens are being grilled for taking out cash. We had an example, um, someone contacted us the other day and went to their bank to draw out, I think it was $2,000, and was told by the teller, uh, okay, why do you want it? They, would, they, were, they refused to hand over his money, even $2,000, yeah. until he gave them a reason that they could write down that they wanted. And his, his first 50 reasons was the right one. None your business. Yeah. Right? None of your business. The law doesn't say 2000 The law is 10000 I know a, a woman who cleared this with Austrac. She went to them and wanted to take out 50000 Austrac said, we don't care that you want to take that out. Take it out. All we want to know is that it's declared over 10000 mm. This is the banks being more aggressive than, than that. But not... I mean, Westpac would be aggressive too to normal customers while they're knowingly laundering money. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so eventually this guy, because they... The manager came the manager, out. He, he said, you just got to give us a reason. And he eventually said, hookers and drugs. Right? <laughs> and so they wrote down other. But it's, <laughs> this is insane what the banks... Uh, the, the hypocrisy is crazy. Yeah, so they're going to loot the people yeah. uh, as well through negative interest rates, through bail-in, through cash ban, locking them into banks, yeah. all the while letting the banks off the hook. Look, and you're right, Elisa, what you said before. Let me hold this up. Every, people who know the Citizens Party know we have a, a long-standing relationship with the organisation in the United States founded by Lyndon LaRouche. This is a book, he's, one of the early books his news agency EIR put out in the late 70s called Dope Incorporated, right? And what this book did was exposed that, that even then, the global banking system, especially the British banking system, because of its history going all the way back to the opium wars in China and Hong Kong, the British banking system was completely dependent on drug money flows, right? Because the real, this, was a, this was 10 years into the real economy already being dismantled because, you know, the, the, the dollar was, the, the Bretton Woods system was disbanded in 71, etc. So this is, I think this is 78 they wrote this book. So there was a, the, the world financial system was becoming more speculative and less productive, right? And when you're replacing productive flows of money, what are you going to replace it with? Well, it's, it's, it's things like this. This is, yeah, there is a production going on. It's, it's illegal production of narcotics. That's what that exposed and exposed that the drug trade couldn't exist without banks to launder the money. And it named banks like HSBC and Standard Chartered. And in 2012, what happened? HSBC and Standard Chartered were both caught by the US authorities for massive money laundering scandals. And both of them were audited by KPMG, whose global boss at the time was Michael Andrew, the late Michael Andrew, who wrote the Black Economy Task Force report in Australia that went after tradies and gardeners and personal trainers and nannies as the problem in the black economy of money laundering and tax evasion in Australia when that's their business model. That's what they do, right? So anyway, um, you know, we've, we've explained this before. There was also, straight after the global financial crisis, a, a, a top anti-money laundering, anti-drug guy at the UN pointed out that, that the banks, that the, the organised crime had moved $400 billion in the banks to help save them in the global financial crisis. Look, what you've got to do is join the delegations that we're, that we're running We've got this flyer from Melissa Harrison 
on the Black Economy Task Force report um, and the cash ban that people should call in and get a copy of to take to their members of parliament. Take Wilson's size press release we put out this week on the Treasury as well. This is what you should take to your members of parliament. We've got to take a quick break. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. We're now discussing financial predators and green myths destroying Aussie farmers. Lisa, before we get into that, I just wanted to, we were a bit rushed there at the, at the, for the last break. Um, so yeah, the, the main thing that people should do on now for the next two months or two and a bit months between now and when Parliament resumes in February and the cash ban will be debated is constant engagement with politicians. And that's just to, just to clarify, there's, there's resources people can take. There's the CEC flyer on the cash ban, but there's independent resources as well. Like I said, Melissa Harrison's excellent brochure here on the cash ban that, it, that you can call in and get a copy of to take to your Member of Parliament as part of a delegation. That would be very important. And what Dr Wilson Sy wrote about Treasury's behaviour showing that, the, that, that this has been misrepresented from the beginning and the government should dis dismiss it outright. Mm, that's right. Now, another example of how dirty money is taking over the system and how we're so reliant upon it because we've crashed, crashed, crushed our real economy uh, is... What we're about to discuss, which is based on an article that came out in The Australian on the 17th of November, farm leaders take on water barons. And this showed that water barons like Duxton Water, which is comprised of former Deutsche Bank traders, um, they own no land and they use no water, but they buy water, they hoard water and they make money out of water. They made nearly a 30% return in the year ended 30 June. And in the six months end of June, they doubled their profit from the same period last year. This is in the midst of what's been classified as the worst drought ever, mind you. 30% return on anything is monstrous. They did it with water in the Murray-Darling Basin in the middle of a severe drought. Now, in this article, a group of farmers have demanded that the government stop anyone who is not an irrigator with direct consumptive use from buying water rights on the spot market and are calling on the ACCC to investigate the recent claims of speculators distorting the water market for profit and they expect the ACCC to take action. Um, now, we had warned of this in 2007 that the aim was to, as we said in our new citizen back then, to, private, to sell off water to private companies such as Macquarie Bank who would then loot consumers of tens of billions of dollars in increased water charges. And this came out of um, the National Competition Policy, yeah. which has destroyed all industries, Howard's National Water Initiative, which passed in 2007 with the full backing of the ALP. Water rights were separated from land ownership and made tradable, and by 2014 there were no restrictions on who could own and sell water. Now, the, and the, to explain the headline, we've, all, we've long been critical of the way that um, environmental issues get pushed and pushed and pushed, and then there's a market solution. And when you see that term, Julia Gillard used to say it all the time about the carbon tax, put aside the debate on climate change, we'll have that later, but every t when, you know, oh, here's, this, here's the end of the world, the solution is a trading system that Goldman Sachs can dominate. And it was, that was with carbon trading. It's the same with water. It was Mr Goldman Sachs, Malcolm Turnbull, who ran through the Water Act in 2007 to, do, to, to set the Murray-Darling Basin up to, to do this. At the same time, he, he was ex-Goldman Sachs, but the same year Goldman Sachs moved heavily into water. Earlier this year, Elisa, because of the hype about China, oh, the Chinese are buying everything up, which is literally untrue, mm. the headlines, it's all, it's all China in the headlines, but they've got one-tenth of the, the assets of every other, of, of the UK and US, etc., um, Cubby Station was for, the Chinese owner of Cubby Station was forced to sell half of it to who? 
Macquarie Bank. Right? Now, Macquarie Bank's, as we forecast in Macquarie Bank's only interest is speculating with the water, right? Not the environment, nothing like that. And so don't fall for, you know, you can be genuinely concerned about the environment, but these solutions are a scam and don't fall for it. Find out more in our Australian Alert Service because that's all we've got time for. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.